Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I'm your host. On today's episode, we have Michelle Bouvier. I hope I got it right, Michelle. Michelle is a local teacher here in San Francisco. I've actually had the pleasure of teaching with her before side by side for a charity class that we did not too long ago. She talks about alignment and we talk a little bit about like classic yoga alignment versus what we're starting to learn about the body and fascia. It's just a really interesting way as I've never thought about it myself, but we, we see a lot of things in yoga as linear and it's not necessarily how things are all the time. So we get really nerdy in this episode, which I totally love as you guys know, I'm a big fan of nerding out on the human body. Oh yeah. Let's thank our friends over at SF Yoga Magazine for all their support. They are really the best. Go check them out, yogis. And they have all their events that are in the Bay Area. You can check them out on there. Actually, Bay Area and beyond. Without further ado, here goes session 52. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me. What is going on, girl? You know, um, it feels good to be back home after some travel, really loving grounding and integrating a lot of stuff, a lot around teaching and movement and just kind of self-care, <laughs> slowing down a little bit. Same. I, but I'm actually looking towards travel right now. I like, wish I was going to be home for a little bit longer, but I'm gone like for the next five weekends. So, Right. I know the feeling. Yeah. You've been doing a bunch. Yeah. Where, where, where all did you go? Um, there were a few weddings and some actual true vacation out on a lake, which was amazing. And, um, something called the movement research intensive, which was a big place for me to be a student, which was really wonderful. Nice. What was it? Uh, what was it about? What was the intensive on? So it was bringing a few different perspectives, but mainly the perspective of the axis syllabus, which is something that I study to bear on yoga. And what was interesting is the Axis Syllabus is a group of movement researchers and mostly dancers, but now it's filtering into lots of other formats. And this is the first time I'd been at an event where it was more full of yogis than dancers. So it was quite interesting, the conversations that we had and where we're all kind of taking our own practices and teaching a little bit into new territory. Nice. Yeah. So it's basically a bunch of nerds hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honest. Yeah. <laughs> love nerds. I mean, same, dude. You're like, I mean, you're, you're speaking right. You're speaking my language right away. Right. I know. <laughs> well, let's dive into it. So speaking of being super nerdy, we're going to chat today a little more about movement science, which you're going to help me break down, and then the difference between that and yoga alignment. So let's start with one, movement science, what you consider it, how you would define it, and what makes it what makes it what it is. Let's start there. Okay, cool. Well, I think it helps just to have a tiny bit of background. I've been practicing yoga since I was 15, and I also have been active in many different other ways, swimming and roller skating and hoop dancing and acro yoga and acrobatics and all kinds of different things, a little bit of martial arts in there. And all along that way, I was super fascinated with the body and studied therapeutic yoga and a lot of alignment biomechanics kind of from that perspective. Sure. And then had my own injuries where the information that I already had 
wasn't actually helping me. And in some cases, it's kind of aggravating some of the injuries. And so when I say movement science, it's definitely a loose term. And I would say that my definition is probably my own. There's a lot of other people using it and they might define it differently. <laughs> but you know, one thing with all information out there, all subject matter, is it's emergent. It's always moving forward, either refining or adding, expanding. And the same is true for our understanding of the body. And one of the things that's really interesting is that we've kind of inherited this mechanical model that came from the tool of a knife and cutting the body into different parts. And so in the Industrial Revolution, we started looking at the body and cutting it open and thinking kind of like a machine right? and, and how everything interacted. So that framework really colored the way we looked at things like, oh, this muscle moves this bone, this joint. And what's kind of happening in both the medical world and academic world and a lot within the manual and movement therapy world is understanding a lot more about fascia in particular. Yeah, and that yeah. ripples out into everything because now we step back and the reason why we didn't see literally the fascia is because they were like scraping it away. With the knife. Right. Didn't we comment something on online where there was like this article that are like medical breakthrough fascia is now a new organ and we're like no it's actually been a thing for a while. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Was that like April? I think. I don't. It was earlier this year. I know. I know it was for sure this year. And I remember yeah. me and you both got like tagged a posters. It was something <laughs> on social media where we were like, um, "This isn't a newsflash." Well, yeah, they call it the interstitium now, and yeah, you know, it's interesting because fascia has many different morphologies and I and I really want to know I haven't talked to anyone who did those studies like I'm actually curious if they're talking about one certain morphology of the fascia because you know we're finding that it's innervated it's part of the nervous system it's full of endocrine molecules molecules it's part of the endocrine system it's related to the immune system you know it's related to our proprioception and our emotions and it's really like do you know the word psychoneuroimmunoendocrinology I don't. So you can go to college. I wish this can I have it in a sentence, please. Right? You can go to college and study psycho neuroimmunoendocrinology, how okay. psychology, neurology, neurochemistry, immune system, and the hormone system are all totally interconnected and communicate back and forth. And I have this theory that it's really psycho neuroimmunoendocrine fasciology. Because the fascia really weaves all of these systems together. And so now we have, I'm diverting from your question, but now we have this like holistic view and it's changed how we see the things interacting. And so, you know, I feel like where I have studied what I would call movement science has some influence from physical therapy, some influence from Rolfing and these like guys who have been speaking the fascia language for a long time, like um, Tom Myers and, and Anatomy Trains, um, Gil Headley, who is a total genius and has been dissecting cadavers in a whole different way, layer by layer rather than piece by piece. And then movers from different disciplines who a lot of the time went through their own disillusionment and injury and their own kind of personal exploration of, of how and why. And in this axisyllabus community, we're all kind of compiling all the information that we can gather and continue to gather into one place. That's the main bucket that I dip into. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
All right. So now let's let's tie. I mean, now that we have that background, let's start to talk more about that. Like, how do we start to differentiate the uh, the movement science versus like yoga alignment? And I know right now there's like this big. I don't know if you've noticed it, but for me, I've, I've seen that there's a lot of like differences in now yoga and then more movement based stuff. I know movement science itself and actually like adding different primal movements and stuff like that into yoga is becoming a really big thing. Yeah. Two things. I kind of made three points that I feel like are good for yoga teachers and practitioners to chew on um, where we're shifting our perspective. But what helps us to see a little bit of like, where did yoga alignment come from? And I really wonder how many of us ask that question. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. I only started asking that question in the last couple of years, and I didn't, I didn't forever. And most of us would say that the general um, alignment principles that we have learned and and transmit have come through Iyengar in some form or fashion. But where did Iyengar get them from? Right. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And <laughs> you just you just blew some minds right now. <laughs> well, you know that's it's so much about context, and I and I think it's easy for us to just say, oh, well, there's just tradition, so I I'm going to just learn. But but we you know let's keep questioning, like, well, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Sure. You know, one piece is Krishnamacharya, Angar's teacher, individualized the practice. So what he taught to Angar was individualized for Angar. Right. That, that's one thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not found evidence, but it might be there that Iyengar studied anatomy at the beginning of his teaching. I know that he did, you know, eventually. I think it was, a lot of it was pulled in from like Swedish gymnastics, if I'm not mistaken. I'm actually pr- pretty sure that's where a lot of the inspiration for some of the poses came. Yes. Although there's also, there was movement in the practices way, way back that was more fluid and spontaneous, like ecstatic expression Mm -hmm. and then we got to look at that uh trajectory because there was colonialization and uh muslim invasion that took these movements underground this is a whole other conversation but i could go really far into it and and kind of this you know almost i hate to simplify it but like patriarchy that took the movement away from the physical practice and then the gymnastics came and had a huge influence for sure I am not in the camp that it all came from that. It definitely right. has an influence. For sure. Same. Um, I, I don't think it all came from that. I think that it, it was definitely, like you just said, a big influence on it, but I don't think all of it came from it. Yeah. Although I I really wonder, what I've heard from Iyengar is that he had a sense of awareness and consciousness throughout his body. And then Krishnamacharya put him on stage and he was trying to from being seen, then verbalize what he was experiencing so he could teach his students, which ah, right. is completely valid as a way, but I don't think it's necessarily taking into account, let's say, the geometry of your joint surfaces. Right. And so, you know, we've kind of inherited that. And some of the things that we've inherited are trying to make ourselves look like a particular shape because we see the shape. Photography actually had this influence on us too versus a real um, prioritization of interoception of the inner experience. So you you'll get this because you also did some work with Noah, but I, you know, I'm, I'm doing Noah's training right now and module one happened and I was like, what just happened to my entire yoga teaching? Oh no. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it was really like, you know, what is alignment? What is a pose supposed to look like? How is that different in your body versus someone else's body? Why would you shift it in the other body? Is it supposed to look the same? You know, and we started breaking down like, I guess the subtle nuances of like why you change it, how it shifts, how it's different when you turn a toe. You know what I'm saying? It's really customized and individualized to that body. There is no right or wrong recipe on how to make it work. Yes, completely. And it's so important. Just that one piece that no one way is going to work for everyone. It's, right, you know, right. That covers a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Actually>. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Every yoga teacher out there right now is like, stop, Danny, stop the show. Stop the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. It sounds kind of overwhelming, but for me, like what happened was I was kind of mentally indoctrinated into a system that I kept believing would heal this car accident story. And just by giving myself the smidgen of permission to really listen and feel helped so much. So I just hope that it's like just permission, just to wiggle around, just to color outside the lines a little. We don't have to totally throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> no? Totally. Um, but so that's one shift that happened is prioritization of this inner experience to now we see this thing that we want to do. And and there's value in just the emotional accomplishment for sure. But one of the things that can be a drawback from modern yoga or where movement science would maybe offer some inquiry is there's such a emphasis on flexibility and like opening, opening, opening and going to end range uh, versus mobility where we want to have strength and options for response within any range of motion of any joint Uh muscle. And so, you know, when you study fascia, you'll see, you know, that we want the forces evenly distributed through the fascia net, what we call biosintensegrity. I'm sure you are all in that camp. And (laughs) if we really push ourselves to make a shape or if we go to end range things or extreme poses, I'm not going to say that they're not dangerous right off the bat, but if you are repetitive with those things, it's going to, a lot of the time, again, nothing is black and white, a lot of the time, put forces disproportionately through the body and potentially have some wear and tear issues or even weakening issues. If you overstretch, you're actually weaker for something like 72 hours. Yeah. So like never stretch before a football game. You can stretch right. after. I, <laughs> I think most people forget too, in order for something to get bigger, it has to get longer muscle-wise. And then for, in order for mm-hmm. it to get longer, it has to get bigger as well. Mm-hmm. But people always go to you know yoga. Oh, it's a stretching thing. That's all I want to do. Right. And what I'm, I really want to know, like, well, where did that collective idea come from? You know, obviously there is a focus on the mind and the inner state and meditation and we're using the body to get that. And I'm so curious, like, where did it start that it was all about opening? How do you then start to merge these two worlds of like, okay, let's maybe demystify some of this yoga alignment stuff and start to move, like add in some of this movement, you know, based practice? Well, another thing that is really invited from movement science is variety. Because if we're if we're water and we're a river and we're coursing down one stream and that goes deeper and deeper, you know, there's value to that flow, but any other possibilities for the water to flow nearby get less and less. So for me, I like um, not even not only options and alternatives to asanas, to poses, but 
other movement, like you said, bringing in primal movement, bringing in resistance work, using the floor for resistance work. If I had the space, <laughs> you love the floor. I love <laughs> you the love rolling floor. around on the floor. <laughs> 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 yes, that's mostly what I do in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, if I had my way with people and I had enough space, we would be rolling on the floor. We'd be crawling. We'd be doing cartwheels. We'd be doing dynamic things that include coordinations, locomotions through space, and asana and vinyasa with that permission to really feel and color outside the lines yeah explore a little bit differently too that's what i'm starting to get out of this this training as well i was like okay this is your normal thing let's break out of that and try something different you know add in different elements yeah and it, well if you take it out into real life most of the time we can't completely control what happens around us and if we want to be the most adaptable and resilient to real world situations we want to be able to move in the most variety of ways. Would you say that you are a yoga teacher, but also a teacher of movement as well? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, because it's not, it's not just like one thing anymore. It's like, you know, now that we are, you know, like you said, we're learning so much and discovering so much. How do we take these two things and put them together? It's really to me that yoga is a mindset that you can take to anything, mm -hmm. right? And so... We're used to having a yoga class look like the studio and you go and you put your mat and you move and you do these patterns. And I'd like to just plant a seed that it doesn't have to be those exact patterns all the time. Right. It could be a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of spice and, and, <laughs> and in the end have that have a little bit more functional value for life, hopefully. I'm not saying that mm. asana doesn't, but it's, it's all a matter of degree. Because I reached the point where I was so devoted to asana, that was the main thing I did, that after a while, like I couldn't do other things that I used to love to do. Because I was, my body was so trained in these certain forms. But really, I want to be as mobile and playful and free and resilient as possible. So yeah. that's where the variety to me really comes in. Same. I, I like, I love that one that you're having this conversation, but two, I just, I know that this movement is like happening. It's like one, it's happening for me. Um, but two, like you're starting to see it in other areas of practice and you're, you're also starting to see people inquire more and started, uh, you know, like there's a lot of it happening on online and on Instagram specifically. I'm starting to see like, oh, okay, people are starting to break open this, uh, this other seal over here and letting it come out. Yes. It's totally hundredth monkey thing happening. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I would add one more little thing, and this is the one that sure. tends to break people's brains just a little bit. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I like, and again, it's just invitation and permission. Don't trust me either. Question me. Question everything. Question everyone. Sure. That's yeah. out, right? Um, is that when you start to study the geometries of the body, nothing is flat or straight or linear. So when we train in straight lines or single planes or parallel and it's funny because those are kind of the things that we have to effort ourselves into you know like if you're in warrior three it's effort to square your hips right and if you look at the joint surfaces it actually is not the most in line with our shape and structure uh i see what you're so saying. nothing like I am really not a fan of parallel anymore, <laughs> and I. So it's funny because I'll teach, and sometimes I don't. I got to come take I your class. I don't have soon. <laughs> time to explain it all, 
So I'll just take one snippet and apply it to like one pose and let's try it this way. And what happens is, um, have you heard the term joint centration? Because this is like kind of, um, I've heard, I've known of the concept, but that term for me has only been in the last like six months to a year. It's when the joint is most snug or nestled so that the surfaces are evenly um, distributed. Nothing is pushing or jamming or pulling slightly apart. And our joints to be centrated, to have the force distribution and the force pass through the joint and not like jam into the joint or pull from the joint or like break out from that spot, everywhere that I can think of is not a straight line, which then like I am still unpacking all of the implications of that, right? Um, and how- Why? Why did you go there? Why did you go there? <laughs> I feel like it's one of the most important things for us to really keep the practice sustainable, actually. To continue to inquire, I think is important. Yeah. And to, and to not just blindly trust anyone or anything, including me, like, you know, I'm happy to explain everything that I have come across so far. I do not know everything. I'm still learning. And, you know, for all of us to really take the um, authority for ourselves and I think that that's that's happening more and more, but it's easy to you know get really excited. Oh my gosh, yoga's changed my life. And then you go to the teacher training and then you just, you know, you feel you're you're stepping into this really big river of transmission that has happened for so long that it's easy to kind of like give in to whatever you're um, being told. And I I think more teachers are moving away from that and speaking to that, but I'm seeing it a lot. I'm seeing, a, I like, I even, I mean, in my own teaching, you know, before this training, I was kind of, you know, just playing around with stuff that felt good in my body, but I'm seeing it a lot just as a pattern and a trend. And I know this conversation of movement is like, it's starting to happen, and, but it's re, I have a feeling it's really, really, really going to blow up. Like I, I just, I can, can, I can see it coming like right around the corner. It's going to be the next, not the next thing. Cause it's already a thing, but people are going to be more in tune and more aligned to it, you know, because we discover more as, as we grow and as we, you know, as, as, things progress. So. And it's, it's, it is anyway. really amazing to have technology and even, you know, our conversation or social media to the conversations are growing because people all over the place are able to tap into the same conversation. Oh, sure. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show today, Michelle. I know we've been trying to uh, get each other. I feel like <laughs> I'm always trying to get everyone to get on the show, but I'm always like so busy, but I can't thank you enough for, uh, for coming on today. And, and like you said, starting this conversation and hopefully it'll have people uh, inquire. Um, I'll make sure I leave all your info down in the show notes. You guys have to explore Michelle. She's really, really, really awesome. She's a powerhouse and she loves oh, rolling yeah. around on the ground. <laughs> I give everyone permission to roll around and just move like you are a snake or a kitty cat or a tiger and see what happens. <laughs> into it <laughs> let's do it until uh, the next yogi misfit session this is danny and michelle saying peace out peace out